Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first live stream, live talking baseball over the air for the National League Championship Series Game 6, Chicago Cubs and the L.A. Dodgers. And I'm joined by a couple of special guests here and co-hosts on the show, Mr. Gary Mack from Long Island, New York. Hi, Rich. How you doing tonight? Good, Gary. How are you? I'm fine, fine. A little chilly. You know, not my time of year, but... Uh... That's okay. Has to happen, I guess. Yep. And we've been spoiled the last uh, 10 days or so in the Northeast. We've had 75 degree temperatures, a little bit of uh, late summer type of feel to it. But yeah, tonight it's down to the mid 50s and it kind of feels like good baseball weather out there. Let's just hope they're not getting snow in Chicago <laughs> at this point in time. You never know at this time of year. Yes, indeed. And on the other side of uh, the lake, we have Mr. Ed Casputis coming in from Cleveland, Ohio. How you doing, Ed? Great. This is a great October to live in Cleveland. Yes, it is. And of course, the uh, Cleveland Indians are waiting for their opponent very patiently there in Cleveland. And could you describe uh, some of the happenings and some of the goings on around Cleveland? Well, literally, as we speak... Donald Trump is like four minutes from my house doing a rally. We're getting ready for the Cavs to open up on Tuesday night and get their world championship rings. And that same night, we're waiting for game one of the World Series. So uh, a lot of national attention is on Cleveland. And uh, we're very proud of our tribe. I'm almost I'm glad they lost one game in Toronto. I think they would have been hexed if they went into the World Series undefeated in the postseason. Yeah, it's awesome. It's sort of like everything is converging upon Cleveland all of a sudden. Uh, you guys must be doing something right over there. Either that or the apocalypse is coming about <laughs> November 10th. And it could be right after the election. Wow. what a, You what never a, know. You that, never that's know. That's for sure. <laughs> what a brawl it is in the election. And I'm, I'm going to be glad it's over uh, after yeah. November 8th, it, hopefully. It's too long. You know it's bad. When you're doing podcasts for the 2015 season, talking about the election, then you have a World <laughs> Series, then you have another regular season, then you're going to have another World Series, and then we're going to vote. <laughs> that's it, that's long. That's it's way too long, and I don't know how they're going to rein these people in, but they got to find a way. Yeah, they got to do something. Uh, it's becoming like watching divorce court. But uh, it's just too long. No matter who, who, whose side you're on, we all are fatigued. You know, 98% of America already knows who we're going to vote for. And if there are actually 10% undecided, I want to meet these people because it's like, come on, what's going on? 
But let's talk about the what's going to be a greater World Series from a national perspective: Cubs Indians, Dodgers Indians. Great question, uh, Ed. Uh, I don't know. I would think that the well, Fox is in a pretty good position. I think either way, because if if it's the Cubbies, you know, there's a lot of people going to tune in to see if they can break the hex, and and now as well with Cleveland, if they can break their hex and. And look, if it's L.A., they get a large market team in there. So uh, I, I don't think they're too concerned with, with who gets in this time. I kind of look at the Cubs. They're like the Notre Dame football of Major League Baseball. They got Cubby fans on all corners of our, our great country, if not the world. And think about it. If the Cubs and Indians play, it's the two longest fruitless teams, <laughs> 1908 and 1948. And it's like... One of these two leper organizations is going to win. Watch <laughs> and see who is the prettier leper. Yeah, and but it will attract a lot of attention into the Midwest uh, part of the country. Of course, a lot of the talk is New York, L.A. You always hear the East Coast, the West Coast. But this is going to bring a nice spotlight on the midsection of the country if it happens to be the Cubs and the Indians. And it's a, it's a nice rivalry uh, there in the Midwest. Uh, how many Cub fans would you say live around Cleveland, Ed? I don't know if I could give a quantity, but I always know. And, you know, when uh, I remember last time I was in Cincinnati and the fans were telling me that there's too many Cubs fans that take the pilgrimage. And when I did a tour of Great American Ballpark, they made the comment of, the biggest pain in the butt fans to show the ballpark to are the Cubs fans. So they're everywhere. I once went and saw the Cubs play the Kansas City Royals, and I thought I was in a suburb of Chicago because you had all these people from Iowa because of the Cubs AAA team mm -hmm. making the pilgrimage. So the Cubs are kind of like the Yankees. They're cockroaches. They just come from everywhere. <laughs> and now the, the, the Cubs are like big grizzly bears. So you got people that are finally, you know, with Swagger saying, this is my team, finally. <laughs> well, I'm of the opinion that if they if they were to win, it would take the luster off the franchise. What do you think about that? Yeah, it might. Now, for years, I have sarcastically been saying on our Baseball PhD uh, podcast, the only way the Cubs can win the World Series is they have to play the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> well, now that everybody got good, I mean, I hope my prophecy is wrong, but uh, it's like the GOAT versus Chief Wahoo is, you know, hated by half the world because he's a Chief Wahoo instead of just a big C. Uh, but uh, it might, but you know what? Wrigleyville is second to none. When you travel the baseball world, nobody can replicate Wrigleyville, and that's part of the charm. Of, of going to Chicago, saying you're for the Cubs, and experiencing Chicago Cub baseball. Absolutely. And you brought up the fact that Chief Wahoo is now under attack again by the, uh, the special interest group, so to speak. And isn't that the way this country has sort of went in the last uh, five to ten years? All the special interest groups have right. such a big voice now. It's amazing that they want to pick on a baseball team logo. Uh, of course, they've been picking on them for a few years now, but every now and again, they make the spotlight. And then again, now with Cleveland, it's back in the spotlight. 
Yeah, and the one thing that was disappointing, and we talked about it at our last podcast for the League Championship Series, Mark Shapiro, who had been with the Indians for 24 years, last year left and became the president of the Blue Jays. Well, there's an article where he comes to Cleveland uh, for the you know game one of the American League Championship and kind of says, oh, yeah, I was never really comfortable with Chief Wahoo. I kind of felt guilty as I, you know, promoted the Indians, and then in his double speak, it's like, but I've we've created equity in the C logo, and you know, as a Cleveland Indian fan, it's like, you Judas, why are you even talking this way? How dare you? If we were that bad, you should have told us during the 24 years that we were bad. Uh, the, the Chief Wahoo logo is very popular on items. I don't find it offensive. I don't want it to be offensive. But remember, the Indians, they have been in the major league since 1901. And all of a sudden, we want to revisit history and say that stuff that has been normal is bad. And, and you know, this configuration of uh, Chief Wahoo has been more or less since the 50s. And, I, I mean, I just think... You know, I, I'm probably the oldest one here, and and I grew up with the with the watching the Indians and and the Chief right. Wahoo with the when they had the smaller version in the side of the sea. I got to tell you that block letter is plain ugly. It's one of the worst hats I've ever seen with that stupid C block letter on it. They should have done right. the old C that they used to have with the back in the Sam McDowell days with the point right. at the end of it. Right. Uh, but, you know, we grew up with Chief Wahoo and nobody found that it, it, uh, offensive right. in, in any way. And it's to me, it's one of the great logos in sports. And, and I think we have to break this out that it's it's not an offensive thing it's just a logo and people love the logo because because they love their team and uh you know you can't go around changing all of these teams because then it'll be the atlanta Braves will be gone and and right. what's not offensive i was on another show where we got into this discussion and somebody said to somebody the yankees could be a, a an offensive term well, that's the end of the world if they say that the Yankees is politically incorrect. Well, they that, and the way we're going, who knows? <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's the end of the world. I mean, you know, when you look at the pecking order of baseball, you know, the Yankees are, you know, the gold standard. Well, when I look at uh, the League of Nations, the United States is the gold standard, or it should be. We're the Yankees on, on a national front. And if we ever are embarrassed by the name of the Yankees and we, we bar listening to World War One songs about the Yanks are coming, the yep. Yanks are coming, we're so politically incorrect, we're the new Canada. And we don't want to be that. <laughs> Or politically correct that is. Well, sorry. we want their health system, so who knows? No, we don't want their health system. The only thing I like about Canada is I do admire the Toronto Blue Jays. And someday when we expand, I would argue that the 32nd franchise should go to Montreal only if they agree to build a sexy retractable dome. They keep talking about wanting to build another target field. You'll freeze to death in April and May in Montreal if they do that. But Canada is a great country, but America is a different country, and uh, we need to have our swagger. We're, we're the world leader, and when the, the world is in chaos, when we don't lead. And uh, I don't know. I mean, who is the America of baseball? I'd argue it's probably the St. Louis's, the New York's, the Dodgers. Those three franchises mm -hmm. are kind of like, you know, the guys with the swagger. 
And uh, whenever you gather 30 or more nations or teams, there's a pecking order. Yep. Amen. And, and this year, the Indians are now at the top of the pecking order, and that's rare. We haven't done it since 97. I'm a 55-year-old man. This is my third World Series as a Cleveland fan. Three. And, Ed, I, I'd like to ask, are you going to make an appearance at the World Series in Cleveland? Right this second, the answer is no. In fact, tomorrow when we tape our World Series show, we're going to do a segment. Ticket prices are pretty high. You know, I got spoiled, guys. A couple years ago, I went and saw the, the Royals and the uh, Giants in Game 6 at Kauffman Stadium. And I spent $1,100, and I was like eight rows from the field. Uh, you've got the, the equivalent seats in Cleveland right now are at $2,500. Equivalent seats at Wrigley Field are $7,500. Uh, Farley Dillinger and Mark Rantala, who are my co-hosts, they do have tickets. And for Farley, he's got a wife and he's got a son. And it's like, well, you better take one to game one and one to game two because I'm not sleeping with you. You got to make sure the family's happy. For Mark, he did have a ticket for me, upper upper deck, going for like $1,000. And I just said, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. This, this afternoon, I booked massages both Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> On Tuesday, I'm getting steak and lobster, and I'm going to watch the game, plus the Cavs getting their uh, rings at 7 o'clock. They'll start playing the Knicks at 7.30. World Series starts at 8. On Tuesday... I'm going to uh, get another massage. I'm going to have a clam bake. And if the Cubs win next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'm going with Farley Dillinger, and we're going to go to Chicago and just hang out and go to sports bars. Uh, you know, the, uh, 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 the rooftops. Uh, I got pricing yesterday from, uh, like, Sheffield's rooftop. $500 a person. You can't even see the infield, but they got TVs. Other sports bars have TVs. It's just, I love baseball, guys, but it's like, I could go to Europe with the money that I would buy a ticket for. So we'll see, and maybe let it snow. If I'm not going to physically go, baseball when it snows while I'm at home on my 55-inch TV is fun. <laughs> it looks beautiful, doesn't it? Coming down? it? It looks beautiful. And I don't know about you guys, but as I get older... These eight oh eight games end kind of late. Yes, without yeah, a doubt. In, in, fa in fact, I have a fantasy. There's going to be a day when I I go to California for the month of October. I want to watch World Series games at five oh eight. <laughs> the game ends. You can walk the dog. You can do something. <laughs> but it's just brutal. And you know, for all the kids that live east of the Mississippi, you know, Major League Baseball should apologize. They never get to see like after the fourth inning of any game. And and isn't that part of the problem? I, I mean, they're talking about speeding up the game and getting youth interested in it more, but they kind of shoot themselves in the foot by kowtowing to the networks and everything and uh, starting these games so late. They used to start them at 7.30, or now we, we start every regular season game at 7. I don't understand why they can't do that in such an important series. Well, you know, they're looking at the West Coast and all that, but here's my fear. My fear is they want every last nickel on the table in the short term, 
and you got a generation or maybe we're on our second generation of kids who haven't been able to watch full World Series games. And I almost think for the good of the game, we've got to pick one or two of the games where it's like, World, this is a baseball holiday. We're starting at 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Play ball. I, I, and that's reasonable. And even West Coast guys, it's like work in the morning and then watch the game at 1. Yeah, that's why I took a, a short vacation next week so I can make sure that I can watch these 8 o'clock start games up to midnight without falling asleep uh, for work the next day. But, uh, oh, man, those ticket prices are insane out there in Cleveland. Uh, it kind of brings me back to a memory of Philadelphia back in 2008 when I actually had a partial uh, season seat at Philadelphia's uh, Citizens Bank Park, and I became eligible to buy the World Series tickets, which I did, and out of a lucky draw, I happened to get Game 5. Of course, that was the one that the Phillies ended up winning, and of course, I sold my two tickets for $1,200, which back then was a lot of money for two seats uh, out in the outfield, so I don't have any regrets of of selling my seats. In <laughs> fact, I, I used the money in the following year to buy the same exact package that I had, and I had plenty of money left over. So Right, uh, right. No, I mean, even though I'm complaining that the ticket prices are too high, hear me loud and clear, I'm a capitalist. God bless capitalism. In fact, because of that, I, with a good heart and conscience, We'll get a massage. We'll have <laughs> we'll have surf and turf and go. Look, I still saved nine hundred dollars today. God bless America. And for my friends who have some tickets and they're selling them for that high, God bless America. Maybe they'll take me to a free game next year. But I have no. I've been to so many baseball games, and I did get to go to two the first two league championship games in uh, Cleveland against Toronto. Uh, I've been to all the ballparks. I can kind of cheat, guys. I see a game on TV, and I like I remember the sights and sounds around mm-hmm. the stadium and enter the stadium. And it's my poor man's way of saying, yeah, I think I was there. I think I was at Wrigley Field uh, for game three of the 2016 World Series, even though it's like, no, you weren't, but you were walking around, and you've been in Wrigley Field countless times. So yeah, I'm not like missing, missing anything. Well, I, I, it, it, it is crazy with the prices and everything, but uh, let's talk about the series a little bit. Uh, before we start talking about tonight's game, I'm just curious with Cleveland, is Bauer going to be able to pitch, and uh, will Salazar come back? Will he be able to pitch? I haven't heard anything definite on Salazar. They, they, they say that Bauer is kind of healing and all that. Hopefully they'll keep him away from his drone. For uh, uh, your (laughs) listeners, Trevor Bauer hurt himself prior to the American League Championship Series by playing around with a toy drone, and he, like, cut his uh, pinky finger, and it had to get stitches. Now, the one thing that I didn't know prior to this incident, guys, is that you're not allowed to put a Band-Aid on your pitching hand. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't know that. No, neither did I. I was shocked when they said that. And, you know, when he uh, tried to pitch, he lasted two-thirds of an inning, uh, I believe, in game uh, three. And, I mean, he made Kurt Schilling's bloody sock look like child's play. (laughs) He was really, really dripping. He He was was. praising Gaylord Perry and putting all kinds of blood on the ball. 
And uh, what shocked me was that the umpires didn't, they weren't proactive. They waited for the Blue Jays to say, can't you see the guy is bleeding to death? He needs a tourniquet. Then they went to the mound and said, yeah, you're bleeding to death, man. You can't do this. Uh, So uh, they say he'll be okay. Knock on wood. Who knows? Our prayer is we need Corey Kluber games one, four, and seven. He's our Bob Gibson. And Andrew Miller games one, two, three, four. Right. He's the new paradigm. He might be the LeBron James of the bullpen where it's like, we're going to bring him in. We might pitch him for one, two, three innings, and we're going to bring him in at a strategic time. It's just not set like he's coming in the eighth. He's coming in the ninth. And uh, so far, knock on wood, he looks spectacular, and it looks like the greatest trade that the Indians have ever made uh, you know, uh, for the trade deadline. Well, in this game tonight between the Cubs and the Dodgers, uh, a lot of people have the Cubs picked uh, to win tonight. Gary has gone with the Dodgers. And Gary, I don't know if you know this or not, but the L.A. Dodgers are the favorite out in Las Vegas tonight. Well, I, I think you'd have to be with Kershaw on the mound. Right. Probably right. the best pitcher in all of baseball right now. Uh, starting pitcher, because uh, probably Miller might be uh, the, considered the best pitcher, but starting pitcher's got to be Kershaw, and it's it's not going to be easy for the Dodgers tonight. But I think the Dodgers have to uh, they have to get on the Cubs early. They've got to score quickly and uh, put that pressure on because. It is going to build. It, it's great for them to be home, the Cubs. That gives them the advantage. But, boy, if they fall behind by any amount, that pressure is going to build on that team. It's going to be 100-plus years of pressure building on that team. And can they take it? Uh, you know, that's what's going to be interesting to watch over the next, uh, e- next two days. Right. No, I expect Kershaw to look like a Bob Feller tonight. I, I still think the Cubs are going to win in seven. In fact, my Cleveland analogy is that the Chicago Cubs are this year's Golden State Warriors. Welcome to Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> and what we're watching right now are the Golden State Warriors playing uh, Oklahoma City. That went to seven. Golden State will win. And then they'll come in and uh, play Cleveland. And uh, I don't think anybody can doubt the Cubs had the most magnificent year of any team in Major League Baseball. And you got to tip your hat and say, boy, it's such a marathon that you can be the, the greatest team for six months. And now you got to reprove yourself for the month of October. I was trying to get in contact with a Chicago Cubs podcast called Ivy Envy. They're also on the Baseball Talk Radio uh, dot com site. But they're doing a live show tonight over in uh, Illinois at a Hy-Vee, which is sort of like a um, a multi-use type of store with a bar in it. So uh, oh. I hope you have a great <laughs> show out there. I, I tried to contact you. hoped you could make it on to this program. I would have loved to have hear, heard your comments on tonight's game. And it's, I think the Cubs are going to end it tonight. I don't think they're going to let the uh, Dodgers... Uh, roll over them in this game. It's going to be tough. Uh, I think it's going to be a very tight game. Vegas has it at uh, six and a half runs over or under. I'm just curious about what you think about that, Gary. 
Well, I, I think it's going to be a tight game, but uh, I, I I think uh, I think Kershaw is going to you know be able to shut them down, and I think it'll go to a game seven. And then the interesting question is, can the Cubs hit Hill? They had trouble earlier in the season in the in the series, and uh, will Arietta be the Arietta of last year or? be the Arietta of this year's playoffs again he, he struggled in the playoffs again and uh so you know but uh that's getting ahead of the game we have to get this game the Dodgers have to win tonight and you know again you have to like their chances with Kershaw on the mound yeah uh metrics. I was thinking about that today do you throw the sabermetrics out the window for this game Yes. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the power of math is pretty good. Every year we have Professor Bruce Bouquet from the New Jersey Institute of Technology on, and he predicts how many uh, games each team is win, uh, wins. He is unbelievably accurate, almost to the point of, don't anybody go to regular season games. This is what's going to happen. Save your money for the postseason. <laughs> in, 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 in the short you know, uh, term of, of the postseason, maybe sabermetrics is less uh, valuable. But in 162 games, he predicted, he predicted eight of the ten teams that were going to make the playoffs. He predicted the Indians. Uh, he predicted the Red Sox. He predicted the Blue Jays. Uh, he predicted uh, 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 the Rangers and all that. So, um, yeah, we'll see. But, I mean, that's the beauty of watching a game. And, you know, it's probably going to be chilly. I mean, it's like 50-some in Cleveland. What's the temperature in, in Chicago? And the question is, how do the Dodgers play in cold weather also? That's a good point. You know, uh, I mean – in my selfishness, I would like to go to a World Series in Los Angeles and wear a polo shirt in October. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? That's another good point. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. and you, believe it or not, World Series tickets are cheaper in Los Angeles. They must be, you know, tired of seeing celebrities or something, but <laughs> it, it's cheaper to get a, a World Series ticket in L.A. than Cleveland. Well, the last time I checked, the presidential candidates keep reminding me that I'm living in the Rust Belt. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> a lot of money in rust out there. I guess. guess so. or we've been saving it, and we were digging up our backyards and buying Indians tickets. Because remember, <laughs> the Indians finished 28th out of 30 teams in attendance. I went to many games where there was 10,000 people there. Wow. And was that towards the end of the year? Were they drawing better, or was this the whole season? The whole season. I mean, they finished 28th, but then once they, you know, uh, became a playoff team, then we recaptured what we did in the 90s and we, you know, bought the place out. Remember, the Cleveland Cavaliers, every game for them is sold out. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, once you, everybody loves a winner. And hopefully next year, you know, the Indians will get uh, better attendance. But there are times I was overly thinking, saying, Oh, we got like five years left in our lease. Are we going to start to hear debates on does somebody want to move the Indians? You know, <laughs> what are we doing? What are we? We're going to relive my youth when I was like 12 years old, you know, the New Orleans Indians and talk like that. Uh, but uh, remember, during the 90s, we had 455 consecutive sellouts. Right. Remember, I mean, they had quite a team and. Uh... Uh, right. Now, hopefully, they'll get back to that, and they certainly have who I consider probably to be the best 
manager in baseball and Terry Francona, the best playoff manager. He, he's very good in the playoffs. We, we discussed this, Rich, uh, about the Joe Madden is a terrific manager, but is he a good playoff manager? He got outmanaged last year by Terry Collins, of all people. And uh, really, uh, you just have to wonder – he went to, did go to World Series with Tampa Bay, but did lose. And you have to wonder whether his uh, he he's great all season long, but maybe there's something lacking when he gets to the postseason. Wow. I mean, if you put a gun to my head right now, I would make the argument that Francona and Madden are the two uh, Jedi masters. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to watch them. Uh, you know, maybe you can argue that Buck Walter is as good as uh, Francona. But the other interesting thing, if we have a Cubs-Indians World Series, is that we've split up the Boston magic. Theo Epstein to the Cubs, Terry Francona to the Indians. <laughs> now let's fight and see who can bring a championship to a city that was just as depraved as Boston. And is the Cleveland Indians very mirror-like to the Kansas City Royals of last year? I mean, you had a lot of players that aren't household names. They don't have a big salary. I think the Indians started off uh, 24th out of 30 teams in salary. Uh, So you've got an interesting comparison between um, uh, a little team that could, so to speak, and now all of a sudden they're in the World Series similar to the Royals were. So it's a... It's great how baseball can do that. You don't have the Yankees dominating everything. We do have the Dodgers, and you know they could be in the World Series as, as the big money spenders, but you don't necessarily have to be the big spender to get into the World Series, it seems. And when I look at the Dodgers, I don't look at them as I'm jealous because they're the Yankees of the West. I look at them as, you guys spent $200 million to get $82 million of benefit. I mean, the, the Yankees are the only team that I can salute and say, you know how to buy a championship. And that was during the Steinbrenner years when the father was alive. But for the most part, these other teams, it's like, you know how to sign Albert Pujols and get to keep him during the last six years of his, uh, you know, the least six years of his career. Good for you. You're really doing good. So uh, I just don't look at the Dodgers and say, boy, look, they bought or they're going to buy a World Series, it's almost like, I'll tip my hat off to you. You guys overachieved when Kershaw got hurt, and I almost can't write a term paper on how you did it. But because of that, you were a better team, and now Kershaw's arm is fresher in October than it's ever been. Getting hurt helped him to be a Mr. October this year. And and that's a good point. And they lose Granky, Granky leaves, and and they still manage to win the division and get this get further in the playoffs than that they did. And uh, you know you got to hand it to Dave Roberts. He's he's done quite a job out there as the the, the first year manager. Maybe if they had re-signed Granky, we could look at the Dodgers with uh, Yankee uh, uh, envy and say, yeah, you guys aren't fair. But by them <laughs> losing Granky. That kind of made them a more mortal team. And they still won, but, you know, they won kind of because what happened to the Giants? They had a terrible post-All-Star break. This was supposed to be your year. You must have gotten a fight with the baseball gods. 
Yeah. Fox, fun. <laughs> Go ahead, Rich. I was just going to say Fox Sports 1 topped ESPN in ratings for the first time ever last week, uh, combined for the whole week. How did you like the calls of the game so far, Gary, with the uh, Fox Sports announcers? I know we haven't gotten rid of Harold Reynolds yet, but uh, how did you like that <laughs> overall? Well, I, I'm uh, I'm more of a uh, Smoltz fan, and I was, of course, with Viducci and Harold Reynolds both in the uh, in the booth. It was just too much, too much fighting for airtime, too much talking going on, and just let me watch the game. And I find now that um, I happen to watch in if I'm I'm in the office doing something. I happen to uh, just have the game on with with no uh, volume at all, so I really can't say much about this year's. Uh, I do like Ron Darling. I can stomach Cal Ripken. He doesn't bother me that much. Uh, Ernie Johnson, they're they're okay over at TBS, but um, I do notice that Ron Ron Darling isn't as good on a national game as he is on a Met game, and I think part of that is. He's better with Keith Hernandez because it gives him a, a, I don't want to say a comic relief, but a foil right. there uh, right. that he doesn't have with Cal Ripken. And uh, I still can't figure out why Cal Ripken was down by the third baseline all the time and they were up in the, the booth. That that one, I don't know if, if Ed knows why they, they did that. No. Maybe they said it, but... Maybe Cal's the only guy with the reflexes to get a foul ball if it comes <laughs> at him. And they, wanted, they didn't want workers' comp problems, and they didn't trust the other guys. But no, I, I didn't. I mean, for, for, the, for the TBS crew or the Fox Sports 1 crew, uh, my superficial knowledge, I wasn't offended by any of them. Now, we have had discussions on our podcast, The Baseball PhD, that I think the one thing that Major League Baseball screwed up on, Vin Scully should be in the booth for the World Series. And I've read nothing that they're going to, you know, do that. But I just mm-hmm. think that, you know, the 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 cherry on top of his 67-year career, uh, they should reinvent the 50s where they would have uh, an announcer for each team pair up and do the, you know, the, the World Series games. Right. They, they should have Vin Scully. He's the Babe Ruth of uh, uh, broadcasting. Uh, even if he's just uh, talking to Joe Buck and telling a story about Jack Buck to his son Joe uh, and all that, the guy is smooth as silk. And I just think that a great opportunity was missed by by not saying, "Yeah, Vin Scully is going to be with us." Yeah, that would have been an awesome game broadcast. I'd love Vin Scully. I know uh, Gary, you're not as big a fan but uh yeah i think that would have been the cherry on top for this season i i yeah i I think for traditional uh to carry on the tradition of the game it would be a great thing and and as ed said um the 50s they used to have the home team and in the 60s they used to at least bring in for an inning they would bring in in every game they would bring in a hometown guy so at at least you got to hear your hometown guy call the game and i think part of the problem is that these national guys aren't around the team that much and and they really don't know the heartbeat of the team you know they, they they interview guys and they talk to guys and they know guys and everything but there's just something even the interviews after the game there's like a uh 
a distance almost than when right. you watch your home team guys. And uh, I, I just, it, 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 you know, you wish that they could somehow let that. That's why a lot of people, I know last year in the World Series, a lot of people shut off and they listened to Howie Rose on the radio right. uh, instead of, of listening to, um, the uh, the fox team but uh i you know i guess they have to have a separate team come in and uh because it is a weekly thing and now you know for the series but it would be nice if they brought that back at least and brought in an announcer for at least like one or two innings during the course of the game yeah no that would be good and here's a crazy vin scully stat 67 year career during that career, he's never seen the Cubs or Indians win a World Series. That's that's that is good crazy stuff. <laughs> that's interesting. Vin Scully has to come to Cleveland to see Haley's Comet because it's like Vin, the, these two forces aren't going to align again for two hundred years. You're 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 not a young man anymore. You need to see the comet. Just don't look directly at it. You're going to lose your sight. <laughs> Well, if the Cubs are going to advance to their first World Series since 1945, uh, getting a victory tonight, they will do it without a starting player of Jason Hayward. That was just announced uh, very recently within the last hour. Hayward will not be uh, one of the starters on the field tonight. He's been struggling throughout the NLCS, uh, went one for 16 with five strikeouts. Um so uh, I wonder if that's going to have an impact on the Cubs. Uh, certainly it might make them be better now that Hayward is out of the lineup. No, anytime a goat kicks a player, it hurts the Cubs. <laughs> so <laughs> it's the beginning. Uh, my co-host, Mark Rantala, he is certain if the day is long that the Cubs will choke. And uh, so something weird will happen. Trevor Bauer will give uh, John Lester his drone and John <laughs> Lester will get hurt. And just I'm waiting for the goat factor to happen. Or I don't know, in Cleveland, games one and two, my fellow Clevelanders, does anybody have the guts to bring your goat to the ballpark <laughs> to continue the curse? And will there be a Steve Bartman somewhere in Wrigley Field tonight? You gotta, you gotta be nervous if you're in the first row anywhere around the ring of the field. I, I, I have to say for sure, you must be nervous. Well, I tell you, if I was in the first row anywhere in in Wrigley Field, around the ring of the field, as you say, Rich, I think I'd bring a straight jacket so my hands would not be tempted to uh, lean out and catch anything that was nearby. No, for the good of the franchise, for tonight's game and for future games at Wrigley, handicap seating should be the first row <laughs> so that everyone in the wheelchair just politely sits as the ball comes toward him. And you need a Cubs player. He has a duty to wall climb and save the poor person who can't catch the ball himself. <laughs> That's the safest Bartman proof way to, to not have that happen again. You never know what's going to happen at a ball game. That's for sure. <laughs> no. Well, re remember last year, and this this was something I never comprehended. A foul ball hit the net, had enough give, and then hit a lady who wasn't watching the game mm -hmm. while it was being played. 
So there's all kinds of crazy things that can happen. And when you just think that you've seen it all, you see something like that. And I always tell our fans, baseball etiquette, don't be walking up and down the aisles while the game is being played. It's rude to your neighbors. And look, you can get hit when you're holding four hot dogs and a Diet Coke, bringing it to your husband. Yeah, they have to adopt maybe more of a, a tennis type philosophy, you know, where they they won't let you in when a, when play is on at all. But uh, when uh, I went to the College World Series in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, they kind of enforce baseball etiquette. The ushers will stay with, you know, will stop you and say, "Wait, the half inning is almost here." Now you can go up and down the seats. When I went to opening day at the Tokyo Dome in uh, 2012, same thing. There's more baseball etiquette. And I almost think that that's something that maybe Major League Baseball has to reteach us. Because maybe our fathers and grandfathers didn't teach us, but there is a concept of baseball etiquette. So is there any events you haven't been to in baseball? I have not been to uh, uh, the Olympics. I guess in uh, Tokyo is going to restart uh, in 2020 uh, baseball uh, uh, as an Olympic sport again. And uh, this March, I am going to go to the championship of the World Baseball Classic at Dodger Stadium, hmm. March uh, 20th and 22nd. Uh, but, you know, like I, I, when I was in Cuba in April, but I didn't get to see a baseball game. Uh, I just got to see socialism uh, <laughs> and, and, and talking to people saying, take me home. I can fit in your suitcase. Help me. Um, but, uh, you know, so uh, I, I, I've had the honor to travel the baseball world and, and meet a lot of people. They were talking about doing a major league game next year in London, but I think that's fizzled out. And for our baseball PhD fans and baseball talk radio fans, London is even sexier than New York. So if there's ever a major league game, go to London, meet people with manners, ride a clean uh, subway system, and enjoy the country that we separated from because they weren't as strong as us, but they are like our cousins, and we should adore them because they are a beloved ally. But yeah. be very careful crossing the street when you're there because you're looking one way and the <laughs> right, cars right, right. are coming at you from the other way. <laughs> yeah, they're right. It's the opposite universe. Uh, but uh, London, I just London is eight million people walking fast, and when they bump into you, they look at you and say, "Excuse me, sir." And it's like, <laughs> oh man, if we could have an app and teach New Yorkers how to do that, then we would be the greatest city in the world. But London, I say, is ten percent better than New York City. And for you guys that, you know, have been to New York City, New York City is a great city. Uh, yeah, I think uh, what they were talking to the Mets about that possibility of going there. I think they were one of the teams. I don't know who the other one would have been, but. Uh, yeah, no, it, it, I, I would go. And, uh, you know, I stayed at London County Hall, which used to be the local government building. And they, Margaret Thatcher got mad at all the liberals and said, we're closing it down. <laughs> And they've made it into hotels and that. And next to it is the big Ferris wheel, the London uh, Eye. And across the River Thames is Big Ben. You're in the heart of everything. Uh, so uh, for all your uh, listeners, stay at London County Hall. You're at like ground zero and you'll see everything. If you go to Parliament, you, it's the only place you'll see British people 
with machine guns greeting you as you go through security. Other than that, no one has guns. And don't forget the London, uh, the Tower, Tower of London. Tower of London. There's a, so many things to see in London. And when you see these great European cities, here's the bottom line, guys. The only reason I can't really be in love with them, they don't have baseball. There you go. If they had baseball, then you go, hey, you know what? Well, when I retire, maybe I would want to live in London. But since they don't have baseball, uh, when I went, I went to see NFL football, and it was during you know Major League playoffs. I couldn't, I couldn't see the playoffs anywhere. You go to these sports bars, and they got guys kicking a soccer ball around. They don't even know that Major League Baseball is kicking butt and in full gear. So that's the only downside to Europe. Go there to, you know, as like a sexy museum, but then when you get the itch, you got to cross the pond again to see, you know, the game that we really love, Major League Baseball. Though in England now, I think they're starting to develop uh... – uh, some some leagues and stuff over there, and of course they just played in uh, in Brooklyn a, a few uh, well a month or so ago, almost two months ago I guess it is. Right. Yeah. In the qualifier, a world baseball classic qualifier. Yeah, yeah, and uh, of course that was won by Israel, who did a real good job, had a really good team, and uh, they beat Brazil and Great Britain twice to uh, wow. advance to the. To the um, the next round in uh, Korea, I think it is in in March. So, um, but it, there is uh, Rich and I have some listeners from England. In fact, I, I got to meet one. Uh, he flew over. He's been to uh, he's been to more ballparks than I've been here. <laughs> he's been to wow. I think twenty four ballparks. He comes over every year. A big Met fan. And uh, this year he didn't come to Shea, uh, Shea, listen to me, City Field. He came uh, out and went out west and hit Dodger Stadium and I think Anaheim. And it was two others that he hit. But, uh, right. uh, yeah, it, it's starting to grow there. And they play a lot of softball over there as well. Oh, good. Good. Uh, you know, uh, there will be days or in the future, my fantasy is to tie in and maybe see, you know, like uh, – some of their professional leagues. Uh, I haven't done it yet. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, in the World Baseball Classic, remember, the Netherlands mm -hmm. were surprisingly good. Yeah, yeah. You know, that they're like the Cuba of Europe. And it's like, hey, I got to go to Amsterdam and not make eye contact with people in windows, but say, where's the ballpark? Where is the ballpark? <laughs> well, you know, it's a funny thing. I, I, I went to one of the games in Brooklyn. And I, I went to see uh, Israel playing Brazil. And I, I really, it was a lesson. Uh, first off, it was one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. It was a one nothing game and, and just a lot of uh, action in it and, right. uh, you know, thrills. But uh, what, what threw me in the beginning was that um, there was a lot of Asian people there. And really? rooting for uh, Brazil. Oh, yes, yes, yes. There's a Japanese population. Uh, in fact, I remember for the Olympics, I mean, there's like one million Japanese whose parents got a bad realtor and they missed America and went to Brazil. <laughs> yeah, it's it. I had to research it because I just found it very curious and. Uh, I think it was, yeah, it was the Brazilian team, and they had yeah. one guy who was named, like, Nakakachi or whatever, you know. Right, and, right. And I was like, he doesn't sound Brazilian to me, but, right. uh, 
you know, uh, but I had to research that, and I just found that fascinating. That's something I wouldn't have learned unless I went to that game. No, I mean, <laughs> uh, the world is very, very diverse, and sometimes I learn even through my employees. I mean, I've got a, a lady working at my law office. She's an American citizen, but she was born in Palestine, and she's telling me that uh, in Palestine they have Christian churches, they have Jewish churches, and it's like, you have Jewish Palestinians? And it's like, not a lot. <laughs> But we do. So, you know, in college, I met a kid from Iran. He was a Jew from Iran. And that's yeah. when the Shah of Iran lost power. And he's like, I had to leave. They were going to kill me. Yeah. Like, wow. So, yeah, there's pockets of everybody everywhere. And sometimes we just, you know, we think everybody's like Japan. And Japan is like the exception to the rule. It's like, yeah, everybody from Japan is from Japan. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, that's the exception. There's not like three suburbs of British people who were born in Japan and they're Japanese. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so although we have, you know, a lot of immigrants in America, it surprises you when you see all these other uh, uh, countries. Toronto is just as ethnically diverse as New York City. <laughs> it's just a gateway. They got a lot yeah. of Asians and people from all corners of the world. And it's like, wow. I mean, in Toronto, they have built like a state-of-the-art cricket stadium. Wow, that's something. You know, yeah, so <laughs> I've never been to a cricket game. I don't have two days to watch it. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a triple-double header. It's like I got to get out of here. I can't take it anymore. Well, we're just minutes away from the start of the NLCS Game 6 with the Chicago Cubs and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And before we wrap this show up here, our first live broadcast that we did here on BaseballTalkRadio.com, Want to go around the horn? Uh, just give me your impressions of tonight. Do you think the Cubs will do it? Do you think the Dodgers will? And um, we'll uh, wrap this show up for the first live broadcast. Gary, I I think Kershaw comes up big tonight, and I think we go to Game Seven. Rich, uh, uh, it's tough to beat Kershaw, but uh, again, Dodgers have to score early in the game, and he's got to have his best stuff. And he's there on full rest, so it's all set up for him. Kershaw wins again. He's the Bob Feller of uh, our time. Okay, there's two Dodgers votes. <laughs> I'm going to go on the opposite side. I'm going to say the Cubs do it. They break the curse, the Halloween jinx, whatever you want to call it. No Steve Bartman appears at Wrigley Field. It's going to be a Cubby victory, and they go on to meet the Cleveland Indians in the World Series. We'll have to see uh, who was right. Who is wrong after, of course, the game tonight? But uh, whatever the outcome, it's going to be a great uh, World Series, and we're still waiting for the National League opponent. Guys, I want to thank you both for being on the show tonight. It was a, a hoot, a great time, a lot of great talk, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Go Tribe! <laughs> thanks, Rich. Always a pleasure. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.